This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Purple Daily on Draft coming at you a day later, for good reason at least. Uh, Miles Gorham, Tyler Fornis, Declan Goff. We wanted to break things down and watch that national championship game between Washington and Michigan. Of course, the Vikings regular season came to an end. We know that they're picking 11th, so we figured let's kind of sink our teeth into that national title game, see what uh, comes out of it, and see how it relates to the Vikings. So we have a packed show. Um, obviously, this show is centered around the NFL draft. It's a 52-week se- uh, show that goes around the NFL draft and how it relates to the Vikings. So now that the season is over, fellas, we know the Vikings are picking 11th, and now we can really get reckless into all the type of ideas and scenarios that the Vikings have themselves in here at pick 11. So uh, really excited to get into this. Hit the subscribe button, Daily Minnesota Vikings Entertainment. Again, we're here usually every Monday on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. Sometimes just some audibles, but you can count on us at least once a week right here on the Purple Daily YouTube channel and podcast feed, Apple, Spotify, wherever. Get your podcast. Uh, so, fellas, let's let's start here, and I think we should probably, honestly, backtrack our way into the winner, but let's start with the loser. Let's start with Washington here. So Michael Penix has been kind of this darling name that's been thrown around a little bit. He's a lefty. He's got a big-time arm. Um, but yesterday... Let me ask you this, Forno. Did did his stock not take like a tumble, but did it drop in your mind? I know it's just one game, but it's still it's the national championship game. You got the eyes of the nation and the world on him here. Do you think his draft stock at least took a little bit of a downward uh, downward turn after yesterday's performance? No, um, I really don't think yesterday's performance really showed you much of anything, uh, because some of the issues that you saw on his film throughout the course of the year just manifested itself against the best defense in college football. Like there's really not a ton you can take from this game. What you would have wanted to see is him overcome some of those issues, him really attack the middle of the field. Uh, When he gets knocked off of his spot in the pocket, be able to uh, still attack with accuracy down the field. And he just wasn't able to do those things. He got absolutely mauled by the Michigan defensive line. And I'll be honest, I was a little surprised how poorly Washington's offensive line held up because they were the best offensive line in college football. I thought they would be able to handle that Michigan defensive line at least a little bit better where it was more of an even split. Um, I I will say they didn't, they didn't impact the game. Like I think Washington still loses, but that was a very poorly officiated game in in Michigan's favor last night. And it it was brutal on many accounts. Uh, The Romo Dunze fourth down, Odunze starts taking it upfield because he just sees that he's wide open. Penix is throwing the corner route, which is the route that was called. Like just those little miscommunications didn't happen all season for Washington. And everything bad just happened for the Huskies. And it stinks because if you just take out that first quarter 
where they had what, like 150 rushing yards. Their, their run fits were much, much better throughout the rest of the game mm-hmm. after that first quarter. So they just kind of got themselves into a hole. The offense usually was able to dig themselves out of it. They couldn't. And then Penix just got absolutely mauled by the defensive line. It's just unfortunate. I really thought Washington was the better football team going in. And I was wrong. Uh, Michigan won. Congratulations to them. And they really did a great job at, at handling arguably the best wide receiver core we've seen in college football in years. Yeah, we'll get into the Michigan uh, side of it, too, a little bit here on Purple Daily on Draft. But, Miles, I know you're also a big Jaden Daniels guy, too. Um, do you think that this stock uh, of maybe sliding behind him, like, you know, Caleb Williams, Drake May, right, are going to be one and two off the board mm-hmm. as bullets. But the third quarterback spot, I feel like, is obviously a little bit up to grabs, and it's probably between, right, Penix and Jaden Daniels. Do you think the Vikings have a better shot at maybe getting a Michael Penix? Or are you still having the pipe dream that, hey, if Jaden Daniels is available or if there's a trade-up scenario, that's your main guy that you want to go get? I mean, yeah, those top – I think Jaden Daniels has kind of solidified himself as a, as the third, if not the second or first guy. I don't think he's going to end up being the second or first guy, but I think he's got a better case at at being in that top three, top two, top one than Penix does. And I think there's a lot of factors that go into it, but – um yeah, I'm a Jaden Daniels guy. Go, 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 get him if you can. Uh, I think I tweeted out uh, yesterday or late, late Sunday when the once the once the Vikings kind of solidified the eleventh pick. I was like, you're essentially in a situation where you need one of the top three teams to not want to take a quarterback. You need them to take Mike uh, um, Marvin Harrison Jr. Like that's like you need that not not to trade not to trade with somebody, but to take Marvin Harrison Jr. or obviously let the Vikings trade up to one of the top three spots. But if they take Marvin Harrison Jr., then that makes it a little easier, in my opinion, with the Arizona Cardinals at four to trade up to four. Because if if Marvin Harrison Jr. is sitting in their face at four, I don't know why they'd want to trade back and take somebody else when Marvin Harrison Jr. is arguably one of the best wide receiver prospects we've seen in a while. Now, I know this is a really deep wide receiver class, so that that also might play into favor for the Vikings. Um because I love Malik Neighbors and I love uh, Roma Dunze too from from last night. Uh, lots of lots of really good names in this class for for wide receivers. So teams like the Chargers, teams like the the Cardinals might be willing to move back from their fourth and fifth spots, so the Vikings could maybe move up if, especially if Marvin Harrison goes in in one of the top three you know three spots. So and one of the quarterbacks doesn't, and then that could kind of give the Vikings the opportunity to move up. But between your question with Penix and and Daniels, I'm a I'm a Jane Daniels guy. I think he's just kind of proven. He's got he's got the best overall package between the two guys, um, but I think if you just wanted a true gunslinger, just like let a guy just sling it and start you know throwing around the uh, the field, I, I think Penix is that guy. But I think Daniels brings that that ability to be a, a gunslinger, but also he has the uh, that rushing upside that everybody loves and, and covets. Forno, it seems like there's a lot of interesting partners the Vikings could trade with here. Um, so obviously the Giants at six, they could take a QB still. I don't think that's out of the question, but they obviously have Daniel Jones. Obviously the Chargers at five, they're not taking a quarterback with Justin Herbert on the roster. Will the Titans take a QB with Will Levis? I mean, they could get a new regime in there. I don't think they will. So there's paths here, right? If you if you were the Vikings to maybe trade up to high as five, and you still have to give up, obviously, the the future picks and it's not going to just be getting it for a discount, but going from 11 to five, do you think that's actually obtainable for the Vikings to do if they really want, you know, one of those guys that falls out like a Jaden Daniels or a Michael Penix? Oh, hundred percent. I think trading up even to like three is very plausible because 
that depending on like what the Patriots do, like the Patriots desperately need offensive line as well as quarterback. And if Bill Belichick stays, who's to say that he might not want to go the veteran route and then bolster that offensive line, which you can still do really easily at 11. Like there's just so many variables that I don't think we're going to be able to fully answer until uh, free agency hits because quarterback can be fixed for some of these teams pretty early. It, they don't have to go in the draft. Now, should they? I'd argue they should, but we just don't know. And the the Bears, they could easily just go, you know what? We have fields. We're going to keep him. Marvin Harrison Jr. Boom. Right. And then all of a sudden, hey, now the first ripple effect, because now Washington has their pick at quarterback. They can take either Marvin or, or sorry, either Caleb Williams, Drake Mayer, Jaden Daniels. And then all of a sudden four comes around and we know the Cardinals are going to take a quarterback. So then they take Marvin Harrison Jr. Now five is there <laughs> and you're going to have one of those guys like it. Everything here is possible. And I, I'm not going to rule anything out specifically, but it I just did a mock draft uh, that'll come out tomorrow morning for Vikings wire. The top three quarterbacks go top three and it's it, there really could be anything that happens. I've seen mock drafts for Jane Daniels falls to 11. Unless something happens with the pre-draft process where, Hey, we find out that Daniels has a medical issue that we just didn't know about uh, or something along those lines. Like then maybe I could see him falling, but right now based on my gut instinct, I don't see him falling out of the top five because he, not only is he really good at navigating the pocket, he also chooses to run and in a similar manner and style to how, how Lamar Jackson did when he came out. And that is very, very appealing to football teams. When you look at how Lamar Jackson was able to dominate NFL defenses right away, Daniels has some of that in him. It's not a complete one-to-one comparison, but when he chooses to run and how he does, it is very similar. So there's just too many factors to have like a guarantee that the Vikings will be able to trade up, should trade up, or will even have to trade up. But I think everything's on the table and I think Quasey's going to be prepared for all of it. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. So let me ask you guys about this, because J.J. McCarthy obviously helps the Michigan Wolverines win a title. And J.J., you know, probably not going to be going in the top five or top ten of the draft and probably most likely more in the mid or even late round of the first round. Is there a scenario where the Vikings maybe, as we've talked about before, we talked, I think, last week on this, maybe they trade back, you know, kick the 16th pick. They have a couple ammunition. They go back into the first round like would. Miles, would you hate that scenario if they ended up, you know, taking a, let's call it an edge at maybe pick 16 because they traded back and they did what they did with Teddy where they maybe come back late in the first round, they take J.J. But I also feel like if they draft J.J. McCarthy, it feels like that's also a Kirk resigning because you can't probably start J.J. right away in week one. Yeah, well, that's the hard part is we we never fully know who's going to be ready like week one as a rookie or not. Like you always have these ideas of like what you expect based off of what the, the film and everything we know. 
but you never actually know until these guys get in the building and they and they like get around their teammates and get around the offenses and and those things and kind of see how they do in the preseason. But um, like, the, so the hard part is to like project that. But to your point, yeah, you probably wouldn't want to put that guy in a situation where he. Ha- My whole thing is I don't want I don't want the any any quarterback the Vikings take the rookie shouldn't be forced to start. It shouldn't be like something they have to do. It's more of they earn that opportunity because they're ready for it. And then you kind of ride the roller coaster from there. I think that's different than like, oh, well, we took this guy like like the Jets when they took Zach Wilson. It was basically like, hey, Zach, we're not bringing anybody else in. It's mm-hmm. your job. Good luck. Go. And then you kind of put that guy in a situation where he like has to be ready right away. I think that's just not really fair to to any rookie quarterback, no matter who, where you take him, who they are. So um, in that c- scenario, you'd likely want to have some sort of veteran in place in front of him. Um, but I kind of feel that way about any scenario and that doesn't mean it has to be Kirk. Um, but if it is Kirk, yeah, then you're more than likely probably not taking and mortgaging the future, um, to go get a guy to sit for a year that I think that's the harder part that I'm not sure of what, what they want to do, but it seemed like the Vikings were willing to do it last year when they tried to go get Anthony Richardson. But if you have to trade back in that scenario, because the things, the way things shake out in the top 10, top five, like I get it. I'll understand it. That means that there wasn't a guy at 11 that they like enough to take it that pick. And that to me is something you shouldn't force again to. Um, so if you have to trade back and take a guy, I'm cool with that. Like I'm all for like a, if you have to trade back a JJ McCarthy, I know Forno is not a Bo Nix guy, but I I'm on the like end of first round, like Will Levis kind of scenario, end of first round, early second. I'm fine with that. Like, I think if you, if you like the guy enough, I'm not saying it has to be, but I'm, I'm okay with that. If that's the scenario, um, but I don't think you should take that like that guy at 11. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you have to trade back, they don't have a third round pick right now. So if you can go get an extra third or something like that, um, you know, I think that's more power. This, this roster still needs more talent and it's pretty, it's pretty rough right now. And that some of the draft picks and we'll, we'll get into this in later shows. I know, but some of the rookies and second year players just really aren't hitting the way you'd like them to be. So that adds additional holes to the, to the roster that you hope you wish weren't there, but they are, um, so it's a tough scenario, but I do think the one thing that I would say with the quarterback situation is I think if the, if the, if crazy can go try to make a, dra- a trade up into the top three, top four before free agency, I think that's what he's going to try to do. I think he's going to go wade those waters before the, even the combine Interesting. go try to try to go make that move now. Cause then that sets him up into free agency to kind of understand where things sit with Kirk, where like the leverage with Kirk with, and, and with any other free agent quarterback and, and other free agents on your roster, you can kind of help make a, a better informed decision whether you know you can make that move ahead of the draft or obviously then you kind of have to wait to see if you have to see how the first three picks play out first. But I think Crazy is going to try to be aggressive early just so he can have a better understanding of where things sit. Forno, what do you think about that plan? If, if the Vikings ended up saying, let's say, on mid-February or a week before free agency opens and tampering opens, that, you know what, we're going to pull the trigger on this trade at five. Uh, with the Chargers, they're we're going to give up future assets. We're going to move up to five. We know what we're going to have there. Um, would you be on board with that, or do you want to see combines play out, free agency play out? Maybe then you make the trade on draft day. I don't know if the tax is higher on draft day versus obviously making the trade early. If that scenario does play out that Miles lays out, are you on board with that type of scenario with the Vikings? If you move up, you better have a guarantee you're getting one of those three guys. And, and the only way to have that guarantee is you have to get into the top three. Because if you trade up to five and they're all gone, what the hell did you just trade up for? <laughs> you're trading up for an edge rush. You're trading up for a receiver. You're not trading up for a quarterback. And at that point, you essentially wasted assets to be able to make that move. So if you're going to do it, 
you have to do it like the like the 49ers did in 2021. They traded up to three. They guaranteed themselves one of the top five quarterbacks in that draft, and they, they got the third guy. Uh, the Jets moved up from six to three at the end of March uh, in uh, 2018. They got at least one of the top three guys, and there were five that won in that first round. They got Sam Darnold. They guaranteed themselves at least a number. They got one of the top guys. So right now we have three. You have to get up to at least three. So if they trade up to four, it's it could be an adjunct disaster. If you trade up to five, it's it could be even worse. So if you're going to make that move, you got to go up to three. But I'd be all for it because then it sets yourself up. But at that point, you have to know coming out of the combine, I love Drake May. I love Caleb Williams. I love Jaden Daniels. I would be very happy with any of those three guys. If you are, I'm meh on two of them and I love one of them. You can't make that move because you have to be certain. This is your franchise guy. And that's the danger of making that move and not going up to one, which is what Carolina did last year. Carolina identified their guy and they took him. Now it was split in the building, but that's a whole different story. Uh, But it's all about, what you want and what you believe you can get and then making sure you can secure that player. And the only way to do that is to get in the top three and making sure ownership isn't the tiebreaker and that, and who you take in that decision, because that is, and then I don't think, I don't think Carolina was wrong in taking Bryce Young. I think we all felt, I don't know if we all did, but I think people felt that Bryce Young was worthy of the first overall pick. I'll be honest. I didn't, you didn't have to, but like consensus wise, I think people, people understood like why Bryce Young was the first overall pick. So I, I don't think it was like an adjunct like failure to, for that process. But when your owner steps in and makes and makes that final decision, I think that's just a, a disaster in itself that shouldn't be in the scenario. Like you should let the people that are running the team make those decisions. You can have an informed decision. I like uh, wait like weigh that option, of course, because you're the owner. But yeah, I don't think the Wolves are going to come in and tell Quazy and Kevin O'Connell <laughs> which guy they got to take though. So I'm I think I'm happy with that. And Miles, you kind of answered a little bit right there, but yeah, I mean, I feel like if if Kwesi presented this offer that hey, we got a chance here to move up to three, it's going to cost three future, it's going to cost mm-hmm. a pick swap, it's going to cost future first round picks, it's going to cost obviously a lot of draft capital. We're going to do this. Do you th- you think it's an easy? You think it's probably just a green light from the Wilfs that hey, we trust you. This is it. Go ahead and do it. Yeah, I I just think. I think over the last couple of years when Kwesi got hired, and if we talk about the time horizons and all those things, I think. And we we've heard the rumors last year of some of the like the the potential trade up options like they're trying to do. I I think the Wilfs would be on board as long as they feel that there's conviction from Kevin O'Connell and Quazy and the people in the room about who the guy they're going after is. But also that like there's a there's that plan in place to stay competitive. And we know how much the Wilfs want this roster and team to be competitive always. And I think you can get buy in from your fans when you make an a, a big move like that. Um, obviously it needs to work out, but you're going to get buy-in from everybody because that excitement's going to build when you make a move like that. Because, and again, I've said this too many times, the Vikings never do this type of thing. So mm-hmm. I think that in itself just creates another more, more buzz and opportunity. And then you, you get guys like Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison excited about the guys coming into the building too. So yeah, I think the Wilfs would be on board um, because they understand how important the quarterback position is. And they would, again, would need it to be a guy that they view, view has really high upside to keep them competitive for like sustained success, not just 
uh, flash in the pan year, year, every other year scenario. Or no, I mean, you, you heard similar things last year. I mean, I know Brett Coleman went on Mina Kimes and, and laid out a similar thing about Anthony Richardson. And I know, you know, behind the scenes, we were all talking to leading up to draft day that we heard kind of a very similar scenario that Brett obviously laid, laid out uh, last week. But do you think that is it too, is it not risk? Is it too risky, excuse me, for the ownership to say, hey, like we're, we're eight and nine. Yeah, we're always competitive, but oh, I don't know. You know, that fear of the unknown that the Wilfs don't want to really also go into but Miles is saying same thing of, hey, if this is the chance to do it and if they've identified there's a trust factor there, the ownership group's mostly hands off to a degree on football decisions like that. Do you think that the Vikings ownership or Vikings uh, general manager, Quasi Adolfa Mensa and Kevin, who came close last year to trading up, do you think that this year they are also going to still look for that path to maybe trade up and identify their quarterback of the future? The only thing that's different here is we don't know if they have that guy that they love. And last year was Richardson. And it was a very, it wasn't a very quiet secret on the, the couple of days leading up to the draft and actual draft day. I uh, heard it from multiple sources that they were aggressively trying to trade. It out. The biggest thing was the Cardinals didn't want to go back to 23. They identified that they want to pair Johnson Jr. He was one of three guys and they were not willing to move back to a certain spot. And they decided to move back to 12 because they knew they'd be able to jump back up to six with the Detroit Lions. And they were able to make that work. Now, do they love one of these guys enough to make a, a big splash? We just don't know at this point. But based on past, they're going to be willing to make that jump if they identify that guy. Now, here's the thing. You could go get that guy and still bring back her cousins. They're, they are not mutually exclusive. You don't have to all of a sudden just completely ignore the quarterback position after you draft that guy. You can bring back Kirk for another year. Like, if they were, to, he talked yesterday about the hometown discount. That basically what he means is it's not about the money. It's about what the money means. He wants the money to mean he's the guy. And I, I don't necessarily know how that's going to play out because that just kind of sounds like what happened this past off season where cousins wanted two years of guarantees. The Vikings were only willing to guarantee 2024. So they were at, at an impasse, but like, let's just say hypothetically signs for $20 million. That would only raise the cap 1.75 million because of what the dead cap is right now. So there are ways to maneuver. There are ways to uh, make things work by going up and getting that guy and bringing Kirk back for one more year. It's all going to depend on what Kirk wants to do, what the health of that Achilles is and what his free agent market is. And we're going to start hearing those numbers at the combine end of February, early March, because look, it's everybody tampers at the combine. That's the worst kept secret in football. So it's definitely a, pl- a possibility, but they got to love somebody. And that's the tough part. There's a real chance that uh, O'Connell and Quasey don't love any of these guys enough to mortgage the future like that. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that they will or won't. We just don't know. There's too many variables right now, and we're going to find out with time. Yeah, combine is going to be a good, interesting area where obviously people get to know each other. And I think it wasn't, this isn't like me reporting this because we heard similar things too. Like they didn't like Will Levis. Like Kevin O'Connell specifically was not in love with Will Levis's makeup. And that's why they passed on him. And Will Levis ends up being a second round pick. 32 teams passed on him to a degree. Uh, but yeah, the combine's obviously going to be a big time here. Senior Bowl's coming up. Forno, I know you said you're going to the Senior Bowl, correct? Yep. Cool. I will be there. Awesome. So, yeah, we'll have plenty of great stuff to talk about. Miles, you discussed earlier, you know, looking at the rookie class and second-year class of Quasi. And, yeah, we'll have a full episode kind of to breaking down all the picks from the last two drafts and seeing if 
you know, basically are these guys, guys can still build around or they're even cut candidates going into their third year from two years ago. So we'll have that in another episode too, a purple daily on draft. But miles, do you think that because of like a little bit of the murky nature of the first two draft classes, maybe the first one, especially that this is a make or break draft for Quasi? It's hard to judge draft classes until they're a few years out, but do you think that this is also a make or break year? I mean, it's year three, which is usually obviously kind of a swinging point for a lot of regimes and coaches. Do you think that this is kind of the make or break draft for Quasi at Mensa? I don't know if it's make. I I think the most important factor is what they do at quarterback. I think we all know that. I think it, that's that's obviously the scenario that that will play out for their short and long term future. What they do at quarterback, um, whether it's in a draft or Kirk Cousins or, or both. Um, but that'll be the most important thing. But of course, so yes, to answer your question, yes, it's a, it becomes a make or break because of that scenario of like what they end up doing at, at that position. Um, but at the same time, they, they need to fill out, they need to hit on some more, some more, um, picks like they do. They need to get a little bit more early contributors. Like this last draft class was significantly more impactful than, than the 2022 draft class. Um, and that draft class, that 2022 draft class is not, it's, it's taking a downslope more than you would like it to unfortunately, um, especially toward the end of the year. But uh, yeah, it, it just got to be a, a draft where you have more contributors next year because you're you're not going to have enough cap space to kind of re- revamp the entire roster. So you need those guys to kind of come in and, and have an impact. They need to come in and, and take that next step. Um, and I know we'll talk about it in, other, in future uh, shows, but I think right now, just like high level, those picks outside of the guys that really have proven themselves so far, the, the rest of those guys kind of need to either figure it out or they got to go. And so um, you can't, a lot of those guys, you can't really go into next year with like expectations of re- reliability. You kind of got to find replacements for them and force their hand on whether they're willing to like take a job or not. And so um, that's just the unfortunate scenario they're in. Yeah. I'm, we're, we'll be excited to break all that stuff down. And also other future guys, you guys want us to break down. I do have an email and feedback list of, of all the people that, have reached out to us and and asked want our opinion on certain players. So we'll all see. I'll have that too in future episodes of Purple Daily on Draft. Uh, boys, I want to hit you with a mock draft here. I found this one from uh, USA Today that I believe this launched yesterday or maybe even early as this morning on Tuesday. Let's see here. Launched yesterday morning from Michael Middlehurst Schwartz of USA Today. So this actually came out before uh, the national championship game was played. But uh, in this mock draft, first three quarterbacks off the board, Caleb Williams to the Bears at one. Drake May to the Commanders uh, at two, and Jaden Daniels to the Patriots at three. However, um, as as Miles pointed out, Marvin Harrison Jr. does go to the Arizona Cardinals at four. But as we scroll down to the Vikings, who are on the board here at pick eleven, they take Laatu Latu, which is a guy I feel like might be our leading mocker. Like <laughs> I, I keep seeing his name as, as someone that keeps showing up on the Vikings. And a spoiler alert too: he has JJ McCarthy going actually as high as thirteen to the Raiders. And Michael Penix not in the first round at all, not in the first round at all. So I'm in a first round pick here, and JJ McCarthy sliding all the way up again. This was this was made before the national championship game last night was played between Michigan and Washington. Um, Liatu Latu though, for now, if I believe it's the medicals that are a little bit of the concern there, right? That that would be the concern about taking a guy like that. I mean, he had a monster season. He's a freak athlete, mm-hmm. but there's some medicals that are a little murky there. Yeah, uh, uh, my first mock draft draft tracker went live on Vikings Wire yesterday morning. I'll track uh, uh, industry mock drafts throughout the course of the next four months. And Latu had four of the 16 mock drafts that I I collected. Um, The big thing with Latu is he medically retired with a neck. 
And it's different than medically retiring with a concussion because we had the conversation with Jalen Phillips a couple years ago. A neck, you know, coming from like being a big pro wrestling fan, necks are very touchy subjects. They can also be fixed relatively easily depending on what the neck surgery is and depending on if it's uh, like you just need a fusion surgery, usually out for a year, but then you're okay. Like there's just so many variables there, but I've I, I've seen whispers like if he takes one hit bad, he could be paralyzed. Like I just don't know. And to me, that's scary. Uh, and if the Vikings doctors, considering uh, how respected that they have been since they came in with the, the new regime and that medical staff, if they decide that he is OK to be drafted in the first round and play for this team. I will be comfortable with it because the player is excellent. He has a bevy of pass rush moves that he I counted in my film study of him like he had like eight different moves that he was utilizing with effectiveness. He's he's got incredibly powerful like Mike Tyson hands where he just explodes on the offensive lineman and he's he's not a bendy guy, but he doesn't need to be with the way he plays. And I think he would be a really nice asset to pair with Daniel Hunter and especially somebody that you could move on the inside and attack guards with that power. And I, I think he'd be a great fit, but it's all about the medicals. What do the Vikings think of that neck injury? What about you, Miles? Liatu Latu, is that someone you want to see the Vikings potentially take? And then, I mean, also, I threw out the McCarthy idea to you in the back of the first round. I mean, if Michael Penix is still on the board as the first round's winding down on that Thursday night, I mean, a trade-up scenario, get that fifth-year option also maybe could be in play for the Vikings. Yeah, I mean, you talk Penix, you talk Loatu, Latu. I'm awful at that too. I'll get better at it. Um, but I'm with you. Like I, I, I'm with Forno on that. Like the the med- the medicals are always going to be the most important thing for guys that that come into the draft process with with those medical history and question marks. The hard thing for me is to like I don't know those things, so I'm not going to like sit here and say, oh, a guy shouldn't go here because of their medicals because I don't know their medicals. Like Michael Penix is in that same vein for me. Obviously, he's got more injury concerns just because of all the surgeries and issues he's had. But if, if a team signs off on those things and they don't see that as a future issue for both guys, you kind of got to just like run with it because injuries are, it's, it's a luck factor a lot of times too. Like it's not just a, a guy's an injury prone. Most guys aren't injury prone. It's just luck or a lack of it. Um, like Kirk cousins was, has never been hurt in his career, his life. And that dude just tore his Achilles. Like it can happen to anybody at any point. So it's really hard to just say, it's like, um, I expect a guy to get hurt when they come to the league because you just don't know. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I think he'd be him and, and like Chop and a few of the other edge rushers. I would love if the Vikings don't figure up quarterback in the first round. I think edge rusher should really be that, or or obviously interior defensive line. But I think edge rusher takes priority in my opinion um, of where they should go. And I think that this draft class has a lot of opportunity and a lot of guys that fit in that top fifteen range. And so I think Latu would be a perfect fit for that. Um, and his versatility. So I'm, I'm all about it. And then to kind of answer your last question about trading up, I would, I wouldn't hate a scenario if you needed to go trade up from the, your second round pick to go get into the back end of the first round to kind of get that fifth year option. I think Quazy is the type of GM that would love to maximize that flexibility gives you an extra year. Like who doesn't want that extra year of flexibility and knowledge of where your guy can be. Um, so I, I think um, it's just a play that uh, it's, it'd be smart for a team to do if they view a guy, in that like back end of the first round, early second, and just go try to jump into the early first, late first, I mean, and go get him. Absolutely. Uh, fellas, before we wrap up your Purple Daily on draft, we got Super Wild Card Week and NFL playoffs now starting. Um, I would love to know just 
gut check here. Who is your Super Bowl pick? Who is uh, the team that you think can win the Super Bowl? Four and I'll start with you. Um, preseason, I had the 49ers, and I'm going to ride with them or the Ravens. I think those are your two likely uh, Super Bowl winners. I will say this. The Buffalo Bills are either going to win the Super Bowl or they're going to yeah. win the absolutely dumbest way possible. Or sorry, <laughs> lose the dumbest way possible. Yeah. Those are the only two options for this Bills team. They, they could easily win the Super Bowl. They could also lose in the wild card by 30. And I don't think anything would be a true surprise with how this Bills team has played this year. Yeah, I, I kind of look, I look at the same way the Bills. I mean, they were 50-50 going to the playoffs just like a month ago, less than that even, hell. Um, and now they look like a team that could be hot in a maybe if, I mean, they, I get by Baltimore, who's obviously the better team, but I mean, the AFC all year looked like the superior conference and it still is a, it's still in my opinion, mm-hmm. a superior conference to the NFC, but the path for the bills to make a Super Bowl is honestly a lot more plausible than it was just a month ago. Uh, Miles, how about you, man? Who's your Super Bowl pick for this year? <laughs> I think I'm going to like AFC. I think it's the Ravens. I think, I think mm-hmm. the Ravens are just shown they're the most consistent team. And they, they have obviously a high ceiling as well. And they got playmakers. Lamar Jackson's playing at a high level. They have a first round buy, so they, you know, things get to play out. In the NFC, I'm kind of gonna go with the sleeper though. I think the Rams. I think the Rams are playing really good ball. I think yeah. they have obviously Stafford, Puka, and, and Cooper Cup, but they also have a, a guys on defense like Aaron Donald who can take over games at any point. And in the playoffs, that's super important. Um, I think they might destroy the, the Lions. Unfortunately, like I don't hate the Lions, even though they're a division rival, just because like they have been bad for so long. But I could, I wouldn't be surprised if the the Rams kind of came away, um, kind of like in like the 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 Tampa Bay Bucks scenario a few years ago. I don't know if the, I think I see the Rams winning the Super Bowl, but I think I could see them being the NFC rep, uh, just because I think uh, they're kind of getting hot at the right time. So, kind of like the Bills in the AFC. Yeah. Yeah, the old cliche getting hot at the right time, too. I, I can see them at least maybe even making a run that wasn't really, again, yeah, plausible yeah. to a lot of fans just like a month ago. And, and they could definitely be, mm-hmm. they've done it before, too, I think, which obviously is a, is a big factor there, too. Uh, hit the subscribe button, Daily Minnesota Vikings Entertainment. This is Purple Daily on Draft. We're going to be here once a week, at least for right now, uh, breaking all things down from a draft perspective. We'll break down the Vikings rookie and second year class, too, on a future episode. So we appreciate you guys. Tyler Fornis, Miles Gorham, Declan Goff here, wrapping things up on Purple Daily on Draft. Hit that subscribe button for Daily Vikings Entertainment.